If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, the world's top fitness, health, and entertainment podcast, we answer fitness and health questions asked by listeners just like you. Um, so I'm going to give you the breakdown of what happened in this episode. Now, the first 36 minutes, we talk about current events, articles that we've read, our lives. We mentioned one of our sponsors. After that, we answered about four questions, again, that were asked just by listeners uh, just like you. So here's the breakdown of what happened in this episode. Now, we open up by talking about a movie we all watched last night that I recommended for a win. Hey. 1917. This was a good one, actually. Yeah, look, if you're feeling sorry for yourself and you think you have a tough life, watch this movie. Yeah. It'll make you feel better. Then we talked about a post on Instagram uh, about Amazon and how unfair they are. And so we went back and forth with some people and a nice little debate mm. on Instagram. Uh, we talked about Justin's webinar. He did a webinar where he taught people how to self-assess and prime their bodies. By the way, if you want to check it out, we're doing another another live play of this on the 30th. Okay, You go to mapsprimewebinar.com and you can learn how to do this. Now, people were commenting on Justin and Doug's get-up gear. Everybody's saying that they looked really nice. Yeah, that's, we were put together. That's because they were wearing Viore. Now, Viore is one of our sponsors. Um, they make the best athleisure well wear you'll find anywhere, so you can work out, but also look really, really awesome. Men and women. And it looks really, really good. It lasts a long time. It's got a lifetime guarantee, and because you listen to Mind Pump, you get a huge discount. Here's what you do. Go to vioriclothing.com forward slash Mind Pump, so that's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com forward slash Mind Pump. There's a code on the page for 25% off. Then I talked about a leaky gut test. This is a way to know if you might have leaky gut. Uh, Justin brought up how giraffes have sex. Yeah, people wanted to know. He's been watching giraffe porn lately. (laughs) I have. Then we talked about sex and the microbiome. Believe it or not, who you have sex with can affect affect your microbiome. I talked about mushrooms and prostate cancer. We talked about semen and infections. Lots of fun stuff. Then we talked about orange goo, not related. Uh, How you grow up affects your testosterone levels. And then we talked about the role of genetics. Then we got into the questions. Here's the first one. Which supersets are more effective? Same muscle or opposing muscle groups? The next question, what are your opinions on daily push-ups and pull-ups? So doing them every single day. The third question, this person did our mobility webinar and was sore for a couple days, wants to know if that's normal. And the final question, this person wants recommendations for runners who want to add strength. So if you do a lot of endurance uh, activity, how do you build strength in your body? Mm-hmm. Also, we're putting all of our apparel, all of our apparel on sale for this coming weekend for the Memorial Day weekend. The sale starts May 25th and ends May 29th, you could check out all of our apparel. Get geared up. Mindpumpmedia.com. Also, this month, we've put one of our more popular programs, Map Starter, on sale. It's 50% off right now. Now, Map Starter is phenomenal for people who are just getting into resistance training, who want to reap the benefits of lifting weights and working with weights like faster metabolism, uh, ability to sculpt their body, uh, fat loss, um, just shaping their body, more strength, of course. The program is Map Starter. It's 50% off. By the way, if you're advanced, it's a great program to revisit good form. If you're a trainer, this is an exceptional program that you can use with your clients. It's also good uh, for the, the current moment because all you need to do this is a physio ball 
and dumbbells. That's all the equipment you need for this entire program. Here's how you get the half off. Go to mapsstarter.com. That's M-A-P-S-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com and use the code STARTER50. That's S-T-A-R-T-E-R-5-0. No space for the discount. Hey, you guys. Hey, did I redeem? Sal. My, did I redeem myself yesterday? What dressing mm. different? In no, what? In no. what regard? What? I uh, made a very strong movie recommendation. Oh yeah, no, that was great movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, what was the name of? What did we watch? Nineteen seventeen. Oh yeah, that was good. That yeah, was good. it was an amazing movie. Incredible, right? Yeah, just the way it was shot. You know, the story, everything about it was was great. Yeah, I watched that movie when um, the whole quarantine thing went first down. It was going going on, and then I was sick at the same time. And I was feeling like just bad about myself, you know. <laughs> yeah, feeling like all a little all, down, yeah, like, all, you, like yeah. you have it so hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my god, everything sucks mm. so hard. Then I watched that, and it was it's it's a very accurate depiction of World War One and what these it's insane what these seventeen and eighteen and nineteen year old kids had to do in war. Yeah, it's crazy. There was a there was a documentary I cannot remember what it's called they will be or there, something like that it was it was a, it's a World War One documentary and they interviewed survivors this this thing it was done like ten years ago so they're, I'm sure they they passed by now because they were all old and they showed actual clips of what it was like to live in the trenches yeah to you know to they used to, they talked about techniques at, at, on killing lice because everybody had lice and people would get uh, trench foot. This is where, because you're always wet, you're in the mud, always in these trenches, your feet would get so infected with fungus that some people have to get their foot yeah. uh, amputated. Uh, how, it was nasty, nasty stuff. It was terrible. And a lot of these guys signed up to go fight and lie. They lied. They'd go up and be like, they'd say, well, you have to be 18. Mm-hmm. And then the, the recruiter would be like, so how old are you? And the kid would be like, uh, I'm 18. You're in. And they'd go in and do this insanity. Dude, well, it was crazy because this movie, I guess, the director, his dad- uh, Grandfather. Grandfather, yeah. His grandfather served in World War One and had all these stories that he had wanted to use forever, but wanted to do it right and, and shoot it right. And so he put together this, basically a no-cut, one-shot sequence of following these actors through uh, this terrain. And they actually built all this terrain from scratch and like measured it out based off of like how, how many minutes they would like shoot and follow them through. And so they would like rehearse every day before they would shoot. So that way they could do it in one take. It's just like, it was mind boggling to me how they did all this. Have they ever done something like that? I know that was, Doug was geeking out on that the whole time. Yeah. He's like the camera. camera. This is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they (laughs) had like cranes. Well, they had like this whole uh, uh, like a cable line that they would hang down with the camera, and so they would do a lot of the shots with that. That would pull on this this cable overhead, and then two guys would hold the sides of the camera and run with the actors and like run with them and do all this. And then they had one mount on the jeep where they put on the jeep and then drive with it, and it was just like. It must have been the most insane planning, like ever. Dude, it's oh. crazy that the uh, in world because I on this documentary I watched and I can't re- believe I don't remember the name. I'm so upset. It's a really really good documentary. I think Peter Jackson might have actually directed it, and it's all World War One. Hmm. They used to get this condition called uh, shell shocked because uh, yeah. part of the the strategy in World War One or how they fight it, they would they would dig these deep trenches. Remember, this was the introduction of modern warfare, machine guns and shelling each other. And some of the first 
battles in World War One, they would fight the old style where they'd line up with the horses and everything, and then the machine guns quickly changed that. So that's oh, how yeah. they started digging trenches. But one thing that they would do is they would just shell each other, just fire big bombs at each other over and over again, and it would shake the ground. And so you're in the trenches, and they would do this for days in a row. Yeah. Couldn't sleep. It would just shake. Then when they'd come home, they'd have this nervous system disorder where they they couldn't stop shaking. Yeah. Crazy. Can you oh, yeah. can we please talk about the the thread that you drug me into? Oh my god. Uh, this morning. Really? I mean, I think this is a, a perfect transition from this conversation of just how hard life was back in 1917, <laughs> and then you drag me into this. So thread. today's problems of people. I I couldn't believe. I, first of all, how do you find yourself in these these conversations? Somebody, I think tagged me if i'm not mistaken in this so somebody was did this post about how terrible the working conditions are at amazon someone said oh my gosh i work 10 hours i get a 30 minute lunch i get only two 15 minute breaks it's terrible people underneath are commenting you know you, you know human rights are being violated uh i don't you guys have laws against these and bashing these, oh bashing, God. bashing jeff bezos bashing so. jeff bezos and you know, I got on there because it, that kind of stuff makes me really upset. And it's not that it's not that I, I, I want to tell people you don't know how good you have it. It's that we're so uh, we're so used to how amazing um, our life is that you know we 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 start to look at stuff like that, and it's easy to judge from the outside. So if I look at somebody who you know shovels dirt for a living, I can very easily, from my perspective, be like, that's terrible. They're doing a job that sucks. That's so because from my perspective, that's I have other choices and that may not be something that I would want to do. Mm -hmm. But what people need to realize is in free societies, people if they choose to do a job, it's because that choice was better than the alternative. And it was a it was a proactive choice. They chose to work. Mm -hmm. And of course I, I'm the son of immigrants. You know, my, my father has no education. He was so poor in Sicily that he had almost no education, came here, did a lot of these entry-level grinding hard work jobs, and that's the way he was able to work himself up and, and provide a, a middle-class life for me and my family. So I see these kids, because they are, they're all kids, complaining about, they need to pass laws against this, I can't believe this. And I'm, I'm like, you have no idea. I said, all these people chose that job because it was better than the alternative, and it gives yeah. them the opportunity. You need to shovel cement all day long. Oh, man. You need, to, me... you need to work in a sewage plant. You know, We need people like that. Yeah. We need people to work hard jobs like to get society to keep running. So yeah. well, I just love when people throw the, the privilege thing in your face oh, or my face. Oh, my God. They, yeah, someone tried to tell me <laughs> that I was, oh, how privileged you are to say that these people are choosing this job. And that's such a terrible weak argument. I mean, let's be honest, right? If you were to list all of the potential privileges that you could have in life, you know, we could start with your gender. We could start with, you know, the color of your skin, but then it goes to like, do you have two parents? Do you have two parents that love you? Mental illness. Uh, do you ever have mental illness? Do you have physical illness? Are you tall? Do you have hair? You know, or were you wealthy? Were you poor? Did you, you have, have good all teachers? your limbs? Yeah. Do you have all your limbs? Did you have good friends? Did you ever get bullied? Uh, did you ever fall down? And Do you have yourself? a car? Do you have only a bike? We would. We could list an infinite list of of privileges, and then your mindset around those things decides whether or not those things are detrimental to you, or if they help you. There's, I'm sure, there's wealthy kids out there that their money actually was a detriment because they got everything given to them, so they grew up and they became 
terrible human beings. And I know there's other people, I know these pers- people personally, who had tough lives, who, you know, from my point of view, be like, oh my God, that's terrible. But from their point of view, they're like, that's what made me successful. Well, yeah, and how do, successful. How, do, how do we measure who's more privileged in a situation like that? I mean, how do you, how, who's more privileged? Uh, um, the black kid who grew up in a middle-aged home with two parents that loved him, or the white kid that was sexually abused by his dad and doesn't have a mom. Yeah. Who's more privileged there? That's what I mean. There's I mean, so, there's and, so many things that and you And that's could... just one example. There's there's many examples that you can give, but it's it's just such a it's a terrible argument especially to have on social media when you don't know who you're talking to. No. Right. And no. that's why I, I just laugh when someone throws that card uh, at me or at you because I know your history, I know my own history. Uh, and to to assume that I was more privileged than you were <laughs> Is pretty unfair. Now, that's not to say that I don't think I am more privileged than some other people. One hundred percent, I am. You know, even with all the shit that I went through growing up, I am. There's definitely people who had it worse, and I have empathy for those people. But to just assume that this person ha- had it has more privilege than the other person with as little information as their skin color, you know, that's to me that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's silly, and, and really, what it is, it's an attempt to shut someone up to uh, and to also feel power by making yourself feel like a victim. So this interesting phenomena that's happening today where people are feeling power by being victims. In the past, it was, I feel power by being empowered mm-hmm. and not being a victim. But these days, you get people in a room and they start arguing and debating and it becomes uh, who has it harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. I only had one parent. Oh, at least you had a You're parent. You're never going to win that argument. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a race to who's had it worse and it's a very disempowering um, you know, conversation. It doesn't make any sense. And look, here's the deal, okay? Uh, if you look at early, you know, 20th century jobs in America, look at jobs in, during the Industrial Revolution. By today's standards, terrible. You're, you're breathing in, you know, fumes from charcoal burning. You're working crazy hours. You're getting paid barely anything. You know, it's dangerous. So you can look at that from our perspective and be like, that's terrible. That sucks. That's inhumane. But do you know what working conditions were worse than that? The ones they had before. Mm-hmm. The ones that existed before. So uh, it, you have to look at a situation, also understand the way life works, and don't judge it from your perspective. It's easy for us in a first world wealthy country to go to another country and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe. For example, I'll give you guys a good example. This is actually this actually happened in a couple places where you had wealthy you know, people with good intentions. They go to other countries and they'd see these working conditions and be like, oh my gosh, these are sweatshops. We, this need, these conditions are terrible. Of course, from their perspective, they are. And so then they said, we need to ban these to save these people. Let's make them illegal. Actually lobbied those governments, made them illegal. You follow along what ended up happening. All those people working in those sweatshops, many of them turned to sex work, selling their bodies. Some of them were begging on the streets mm-hmm. because that was the better alternative. And it ends up happening over time. And this is a fact. I'm not just saying this. Over time, free societies improve. So you can't compare someone else's circumstances to yours and say, especially if it's voluntary. And then somebody said to me, really annoyed the shit out of me, that their human rights were being violated. And I was like, man, what violates human rights is is force. So if I if I have sex with someone and they bo- and they, we both want to have sex, is that violating them? No. If I force them to have sex with me. That makes it a violation. If you give me five dollars because you know we have a deal, is that is that violating someone's rights? No. If I hold a gun to your head and say give me five dollars, now it becomes 
violation. So that was the whole debate. Well, I, I, did, I think there was like a few hundred people on there. And the, uh, the other thing that was ironic is all the virtue signaling, right? All the people that are, you know, piling on the, the comment and talking about how bad Gosh. Jeff Bezos is and how bad Amazon is. Meanwhile, statistically, you know that at least 30% of the assholes that were virtue signaling were receiving packages delivered to their house by fucking Amazon. <laughs> it's like, get off your fucking high horse. If you really hate the company so bad, then stop using their product. That's the best way that you can do it is to boycott that way yeah. and, and not yeah, give them your money. But to give them your money because you, you love the service they provide you and then to turn around and to talk shit about it. It's hypocritical. Com completely. It's dude. no different than the person who talks about the environment and how much we need to take the care of the environment. And, and flies and how, in their private jet. And they fly in their private jet or they throw their wrappers on the floor or whatever. It's forget the words, look at the actions. Mm -hmm. And nothing's perfect, but you know, li living in a free society, it means that, because look, bad and greedy people exist. Okay, that's a fact. But I would prefer to live in a society where a greedy person has got to give other people something they want before they get money. Hmm. <laughs> that's that's the society I want to live in. Mm -hmm. So Jeff Bezos could very well be a massive greedy asshole, but we all voluntarily gave him a trillion dollars. Mm -hmm. He didn't steal it from anybody. And right. he does work in tech, and tech is one of the more unregulated markets, so it's not like he got a bunch of government you know, favors and handouts and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, speaking of things that are <laughs> speaking of things that are perfect, uh, Justin's webinar is pretty damn perfect. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I just want to say that uh, you hit it out the park. I continually get Thanks. besides everyone telling me how good looking your shaved head is, they also <laughs> I don't believe that. I gotta see those DMs. Well, we, we've, we've what got, do you mean the comment, the chats? People were I saying know, how you're the I best know. looking. The yeah. one one girl. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's I, I appreciate it's it. Yeah, she's how, a relative. How many? How many? How many? How many other people said that we were the best looking? Zero. Yeah. You know, I just bank these things yeah. well it's save it, it for later it's been adding uh so much value we've gotten so much good feedback uh, and thank you everybody for the support that that are are seeing lots of, of value from it because of that uh, we added one more uh at the end of the month so that is something that uh we're gonna do because so many people are are getting so much value uh mm -hmm. from the webinar uh, also, do a lot of people talking about how well you were dressed, oh. looking handsome. <laughs> I a lot, was a lot pretty... of compliments for you, man. Well, was... me and Doug. I mean, uh, we were getting a lot of that. Like, what? Where can I get you know Doug's shirt and pants and Viore? Viore. It's yeah. all Viore. Yeah. It's funny. Somebody's like, "Oh, how much is Viore paying you to wear this in the webinar?" It's like nothing to put to wear it in there. They get. They... We seriously didn't even plan that. We were just wearing what we would wear yeah. uh, to work. Well, in. I mean, look at right now. Yeah. I even mean, now, I'm kind of wearing. You're in pants. I'm yeah. in the pants. You got the hat on. Yeah. Doug's got a pair of pants on. Right now, yeah, I think yeah. this is the first day you're not wearing. I'm, yeah, the, all, the first day, Super only because I, I wore the same thing every day for five days in a row. It's become the mind pump uniform. Yeah, it, it has. Yeah. You know, the the real value of these of these webinars is, you know, one of the downfalls of of you know having uh, online digital programs is it's very hard to. It's easier to teach when you can be on video talking to someone. It's of course easiest when you actually have someone in front of you. Mm -hmm. So the webinar gives more of that personal trainer feel. Because I've heard, I heard a lot of people say, especially even with yours, Adam, mm -hmm. that they like, oh, you know, I have Maps Prime, and I, you know, I wasn't doing it right. But now watching you take Doug through it, 
now I'm really doing it right, I can really see the value. Yeah, sometimes you just need that visual and also those specific cues that kind of make it more understandable for yourself. And I'm just, I'm stoked that people are able to kind of do it at their house and figure out, you know, what was going on with their body that way and kind of run through it. And, uh, you know, the the feedback was great. Yeah, dude, it's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a an interesting, I was reading a study on leaky gut syndrome. So you guys know what that is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for the, for the listeners who don't know, this is when you've got, you know, poor gut health, and over time, what ends up happening is the inflammation causes the, the the lining of your gut to become inflamed, and when it's inflamed, it becomes more permeable, meaning uh, things can pass through it when they're not supposed to. And when this happens, your body starts to mount an immune response to it, and so you get this kind of low-level chronic inflammation. Your, your body's got this kind of low-level of immune response. Sometimes you develop food intolerances this way. So I think the scientific term for, uh, for, for leaky gut syndrome is uh, intestinal wall hyperpermeability, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But anyway, here's an easy test that they're finding that is consistent with people who have this. Mm. If you find that after eating a normal meal, a normal healthy meal, that you become you, – you, you get brain fog, it's hard for you to concentrate, or you get really sleepy – they're finding that to be a common uh, a, a, a common symptom among people hmm. with leaky gut syndrome. I think that's interesting because uh, the average person, I don't know how in tune they are. Yeah. That's how I feel after pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, well yeah. I, that's why I said a normal healthy meal. Yeah, I yeah. feel that way too. No, I know. I'm just a making, big, it, making know, a joke. Yeah. yeah and I, and it, God, I, I feel like a lot of client, clients uh, struggle with reading those signals, you know? So I feel like, one of you guys, if that happens to you, are, are very in tune. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I mean, we ate off the the norm uh, this this weekend, and you know, Doug right away has been like, oh, "I've been getting headaches. I feel like this," and he knows it's because he had a cheeseburger and fries. Like it's, you know, almost Just call him out like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> we did too, right? <laughs> hey. So uh, you know, I think I think that if if you've trained yourself to really look at all the signals uh, from food. Then you know that that type of information helps. Uh, the average consumer, I think, is is so numb to that. I mean, the average person that I train, you're right, thought it was normal to shit themselves, like you know, at least once a day, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like that. not like, literally like, like yeah. in their pants. You no, know, <laughs> just to have a total loose stool yeah. that you know, uh, and and not realize that you know your stool should have some consistency to it, and if it doesn't, that's also an indicator of something is off with the diet. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know this because I was this way. I mean, for years as a young adult and kid. Just assume that just that's what happens when you go to the bathroom. Sometimes yeah. it's a nice one, and sometimes yeah. it's not so nice. It felt random. It was just like a roll of the dice. Yeah. yeah. It, it, oh, this just happens. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I didn't attribute it to uh, what I was consuming at all. So, you know, and, and to me, that's a very obvious one. You know, tell, telling somebody brain fog or uh, you know not as sharp. What else did you say there? Yeah, lethargic. Yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, th- th- those those are well, the next people, level signals. Well, the people who get it really bad might be might be aware of it. When my gut was really off, um, and you're right, I'm I'm much more self aware about this kind of stuff. But I really noticed it. So hmm. I would never eat before a podcast. I would never eat before an interview. Never eat before something where I had to perform. Because yeah, I you're still I, like that. Mm. Yeah, because if I ate, I knew I'd feel like, oh, you know. Yeah, you get sleepy, drained. Sleep or tired. But you, the other part of it, too, is that people, like, how many times has this happened to you? You talk to a client and, you know, you, you do you have any gut issues? Do you have any, oh, no, everything's fine or whatever. And then oh, you yeah. got to get real specific, right? Oh, yeah. Do you ever get heartburn? 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. stomach I, I, cramps, yeah, bloating. I take Prilosec, though. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, I take Tums though, and it's it's not a big deal. Yeah. Or, you, know, how, you know, do you how do you, how do you I feel healthy? How often do you get a headache? Uh, you know, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Okay, well maybe this you know there's <laughs> yeah. something going on there. You know, yeah, p- people just aren't like aware. Dude, speaking of the gut, now this has like no relation to what you're talking about. This is uh, really interesting and hilarious to me uh, how giraffes mate. Uh, so basically get, get ready for this. Okay. So the, the male will actually headbutt uh, the female's like stomach and where the bladder is actually, actually into the bladder to make her pee. It's, what? Yes. They're into that weird stuff. Yes. And so, and then, and then we'll actually taste the pee to see if she's ovulating. What? Wow. <laughs> Isn't that sexy he, somehow? He, he headbutts her in the stomach. Headbutts her repeatedly her pee, into the he stomach. Tastes her pee and that just, that that tells him it's time. Yes. Wow. Wow, dude. You yeah. imagine imagine if, you- if that we had to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just go just go up to your go up to your wife. Hold on, honey. <laughs> <laughs> just go up to your wife. Oh, we're ready. Hit her hit her out of the heart yeah. the bladder. Boom. And then oh that like God, turns you, you on. That, just, that must turn them on after that, you know. Why, why'd, like, you just, ah. why'd you punch me? I just pissed my pants. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. All right, babe, take your clothes off. Like such a yeah. weird ritual. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't that get over is it. weird. Is there any other animal that does something like that? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Uh, I don't know. I just ran across that like little fact today. So I had to share the things that you and Sal read, we are all very different. That is for sure. Uh, yeah. Do you, you ever hear the the whale? Was that whale joke where um, the little the baby whale says to the daddy whale, uh, "Where do I come from?" And he goes, "Oh, well, me and your mom have sex." And he goes, "Oh, thanks, dad." And he goes, "No, no worries. You're welcome." Whale comes. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Sorry, it's dad. That is dad tastic. It's, it's, it's a dad joke format. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in that format. But yeah, it's not yeah. for dads, but not kids. Yeah. So speaking right. of sex, yes. So ch- this is a cool uh, study that I read. By the way, there's a there's a site you can go on. I'm about to give away a wonderful uh, resource for studies. If you like to read really really cool studies, I get asked this all the time. The number one place is to go on uh, groups on Facebook, join groups, and then you can go on discussions, stuff like that. But if you just want to go on a website and do your own reading or whatever, Science Daily. It's a really, really good place. You can find studies on almost any topic. But anyway, found a study on there that there's a difference in the microbiome, and it's a consistent difference in the microbiome, in men who have sex with men versus men who have sex with women. So they can analyze your microbiome and tell if you do it yeah. with dudes. Got some gay bacteria. Or if you, yeah, yeah. or straight bacteria. Straight or, bacteria. Yeah. Or if you have sex with women. Weird, right? That is, it's not that weird. Yeah, well, well I not mean, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah. It's not that weird to me. I mean, you're, yeah. one, one's dip, dipping his thing in shit, the other oh one's not. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I would Thank have, you, Adam. Uh, well, I'm just saying, I mean, what everybody's fucking thinking, listening to you talking about it. I mean, <laughs> Hey, straight people pretty, do that, too. Yeah, pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> they do. It that's ain't not, exclusive. That's, that's, a, that's a both sex. Yeah. Both, uh, oh, so I wonder if that has, so I wonder if that would make a difference, right? Somebody who does, who's using anal sex versus not, I would think that would skew the study, Well, it? it's also- so it's also the vagina has a very distinct uh, microbiome right. on it. Mm. Uh, the penis has a very distinct uh, microbiome. So, and you know what's funny about all this, right? Is that I wonder if in the future they're going to have tests, you know, that you could buy at the store or something like that. And you're, mm. you know, you could be like, you could take a test and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, what you been doing, Justin? <laughs> I got some, I got some weird microbiome My on this. Bacteria is uh, yeah. telling what's, me what you like. So what's, random. What's going on here? I don't know. That's very strange. It's cool. Shut very up. strange. It's super, super cool. Um, uh, something else that's cool, kind of related. Um, they did a study on uh, mushrooms, 
and they found that men who eat mushrooms uh, once or twice a week had an 8% lower risk of developing prostate cancer. And then people who consume mushrooms three or more times a week had a 17% lower risk of prostate cancer. Wow. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't eat mushrooms. And I'm not talking about the, the fun, you know, the, the psychedelic ones or yeah. talking about like food mushrooms. Um, a lot of people don't consume them on a, on a regular basis mm. because they think that they're, if they eat vegetables, that it counts. But mushrooms are in their own category altogether. But that's a clear study that shows that eating mushrooms can reduce risks of certain types. I feel like they keep finding benefits to eating mushrooms. It's it's one of those yeah food groups people just haven't considered forever, and now all of a sudden it's like oh wow, there's lots of health benefits to it. Well, except in like the east, uh, they had a lot more uh, medicinal uses of yeah. Uh, now, do you guys are you guys big fans of mushrooms? I mean, I try I and incorporate it. I'm not a big fan, but I eat it because I know it's probably good for me. It's one of my favorite foods. I, mine too. I love mushrooms. Now, they're also a, one of the better sources of vitamin D too, right? It's a vitamin D2, so it's not nearly as um, as, as usable as vitamin D3. Okay. Um, so you'd have to take a lot more, but yes, you do get a form of vitamin D in mushrooms. Yeah, there's not a lot of places to get good vitamin D, right? Not in uh, not vegan places. Yeah, no, very very hard. Where now? Uh, what what are your favorite ways to eat them or prepare them? Oh, dude, I'll have them. In, I'll have them on a steak. I'll eat them by myself. I'll eat them oh, I do. I'll love eat them on a salad. Yeah. I'll, I mean, I anytime well, we just had them over this uh, chicken and uh, uh, potato dish that my brother in law made. I mean, any anything I love mushrooms on. I'll eat the big old portobello ones by themselves. You I, ever just grill them? Yeah. Put a, put a little bit of olive oil yeah. and a little bit of vinegar on those? I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, as a kid, I didn't care for them very much. As an, it's You wanna, you know that's funny how that is? Like how many, can you think of all the things that oh my God, when so you were a kid that you hated that you oh, like now? I hated broccoli, hated uh, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, all that. I yeah. love it now. Mushrooms I, fall in the category of one of those things that I did not eat as a kid, but I, I absolutely love now. I hated anything that had a bitter taste. So uh, spinach... You know, rapini, like all those green, green, uh, green leafy greens. I don't know. I couldn't say that for a second. <laughs> that green. Yeah, and uh, I hated them as a kid. They were bitter. Now it's like I actually love the flavor of uh, uh, stinky cheeses. You would, you couldn't have paid me to eat blue cheese as a kid. Uh, yeah, stinky cheese. Now I could just. That's my favorite. Yeah, my yeah. favorite kind of. Uh, yeah. Put that on a crust on a steak. Oh gosh! Oh yeah! I got a, another sex uh, study for you guys. <laughs> wow, you're loaded with the yeah, sex we know ones. What you were I got you we started you with the drafts. Yeah. No, I got to bring this up. This is pretty cool. So this is just look. This is this is good information for you guys to bring home uh, to your to your wives. Okay. Very very good information. Okay. So that and the stability ball. Yeah. Use it. So so scientists found that frequent and sustained semen exposure for women. So if, if they have semen exposure. In them, in themselves. Okay. That this changes the characteristics of circulating vaginal tissue immune cells that are targets for infection, reducing the susceptibility to a future infection. In other words, if 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 you sperm saves vaginas. Yes. If you, it actually <laughs> should be a shirt. Yeah. It is a healthy. It is a good thing. It boosts the immune system. Of the of the, of the you of just the woman. you just I will sell them. all these teenage boys trying to close their girlfriends now after yeah. seeing the mind pup. Listen, yeah. listen, They're like oh cool, we heard about pineapples, we heard about this. <laughs> this is great. There's a pandemic going on right now. We should boost your immune system. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, that's uh, that's that's legit. Um, yeah. Which is kind of there was another study that showed. I told you guys about this one a long time ago that women who were exposed to um, semen versus women who won't, her weren't, and they controlled for sex. So it wasn't like, oh, they had sex and they didn't. Mm. It was 
these women that have sex with men who wear a condom versus these women who don't wear a condom. So they get exposed. They had lower levels of uh, depression mm. as well. Man. So, I mean, I'm just Brings building, your mood up and I'm, everything. I'm building the case. Yeah, there's a lot there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there was one thing, too, that I was researching about. I, I've been doing a lot of research uh, you know, about CTE and uh, mm. some of the effects of that and kind of how they're going to handle all this going forward with football and helmets and all that kind of stuff. If there's any new technology out there, one uh, company actually has produced a, a pretty promising, interesting, innovative product, which is uh, right now it's like it's in goo form. So it's like this, it's almost like a, um, uh, I want to say like a putty or like, you know, a, a type of a, a that, that consistency, but mm -hmm. they've done all this testing in terms of like shock absorbing uh, abilities and it, it, it shock absorbs like, um, like, I don't even know the percentage, but way beyond anything else they've tested before. So they're going to put it on the inside of the helmets? Yeah, so they're going to try and line the helmets with them. And they've already got a lot of big companies kind of sponsoring into that, like Adidas. And uh, they haven't got like Nike and all the major players yet. But I think that if they prove this model and they they show this that it you know reduces the amount of impact uh, you know for you know players, I think it, it has a lot of promise. Oh, that's interesting. You know what you just said that it just reminded me of something. Did you guys see the, I think it was like a meme or something going around, or it was a post and i know i believe our buddy lane shared it i saw it on a couple other people's pages of uh knocking uh people that use the term research that are not phds did you did you get that no I you didn't guys see didn't that. see that no oh yeah it was so like he's making fun of people that are it wasn't, it wasn't so much making fun it was just challenging this you know oh people always use this term oh. research and then like you know <laughs> did you really research was it done a study in a lab and they were like shitting on using that term as a uh, somebody's as a, a little insecure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been going that's all, my word it's been going all over the place right now and i found it funny that uh yeah. you know that they would they would do jump on that yeah. as something to I work hard for that word <laughs> oh my God, stop. research you know it's uh it makes me it, it what it does is it it alienates a lot of people and i get uh, by the way i get the point that he's probably trying to make with that yeah. um you know a lot of people will they'll watch a youtube documentary yeah you know oh like, yeah you know yeah oh 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 working university out. of youtube yeah, yeah. yeah oh oh meat yeah i watched a documentary of that on youtube <laughs> on yeah. netflix you yeah. shouldn't eat meat you know or something like no, that. no i get that I, yeah, I, I i get all that so i totally understand but what it also does is it alienates people from honoring some of their own experiences like anecdotes you know anecdotes uh definitely not research but when there's a lot of them I think you can kind of consider it. And if anecdotes have been around for thousands of years, like if you go to a culture and they say, hey, this plant does this for this and this, and there's no science around it, but they've been using this plant for 500 years or 1,000 years, then that to me is, is evidence. Well, I just, so what if you read scientific articles? Is that well, not research? No, that's exactly what – then that was the knock, right? And that, that was my question on it. It's like, okay, so then what is the correct term if I, I yeah. read five studies on it, I watched two documentaries on it, I read a, two books on it, I, I, I did not research what I yeah. – I just – you, they should just around. call it field research if they're like so particular. About yeah, it. no, I mean, really though, like what what is the correct term if you if you did that? Like, what would be a more politically correct term? Googled. If, 
I you know you yeah. Google those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read stuff. Not necessarily. If you read a book, yeah. it's not yeah. a Google, right? Yeah. So I mean, if you, I'll, I'll redact my statement. I read stuff. Yeah. No, I just I, I, you you said that, and it it reminded me of that, and I I had a problem with it. I didn't jump in on it, but I just thought it was a silly thing to to. Yeah, uh, you know, when there's a debate over a word, that the it's the 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 winner is the person that uses the word, and it's accepted. Uh, use in in the vernacular. So mm-hmm. you can have a word that you read in the dictionary, and it says, "No, research means this must be done in a lab, must be performed this way, or whatever." But if but people use the word research just to mean I read about or I I did my own learning about, and if that's the accepted use of that in our in in English, then that's actually the correct way to use it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's the vernacular that we all... Nerds need to get over it. Yeah, dude, that's so, that's just cracks me up all the time. Oh, dude, this is cool. Uh, I had another study on testosterone levels. How you grow up um, can have a pretty profound uh, uh, impact on your testosterone levels as an adult male. Oh, I believe that. Well, what they found was is that boys who grew up in environments where they had frequent infections and their health was kind of poor as a result of it, significantly lower testosterone levels as adults. Mm. So they say it's because their immune systems was always so worried about fighting all these different infections that they their, their bodies just weren't producing a lot of testosterone. That became their default, oh, which wow. I find yeah pretty interesting. Which that's kind of nature. What about the nurture side of that? Do you think that you can nurture that that way? Oh, you know, testosterone levels fluctuate so much in men mm. that I wouldn't be surprised. Have you see, read those studies about how testosterone levels go up if you win a competition and they yeah. go down. Right, that's what I'm saying. So Even if it's it, a video game. Right, if, 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 <laughs> if, if an emotional state can actually fluctuate it up or down, I would think even your environment and the, the home you grew up in, if it was you know, less testosterone-driven or it mm-hmm. was more estrogen-driven, that it could actually influence the child that way. Mm-hmm. I would think it could. Yeah, 100%, I think it could. I think that the, your best outcomes across the board are, you know, do they have a secure environment? Are they well-nourished? You know uh, how people got – I don't know if you guys knew this, but in the from the 19th to the 20th century, you saw just dramatic increases in height among people, and it wasn't genetic. It was nutrients. Yeah. I was going to say it wasn't calories mainly. It, it was calories and nutrients. Yeah. It was, you know, uh, people were shorter because they didn't get all the nutrients, and then your, their kids were well-fed. And, I mean, that's the, that was the big thing with, uh, with my family being, you know, immigrants from Sicily. It was like, oh, yeah, you know – you know, like my grandparents' generation, if you moved to America and had your kids there, mm-hmm. they would get they would grow tall. Was yeah. the thing that they would say because of all the the food that we had over here. Yeah, it's us. interesting. I wonder because uh, my grandparents were pretty like small, and my dad just was six seven out of nowhere. Wow. You know? Yeah, and some other some other it, like his his uncle or his yeah, I guess it was his uncle. Um, my great uncle was really tall as well. He's like six eight. So, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like in there, but it didn't develop till way later. So. Aren't you the runt of your? Family? <laughs> I, mean, I love that you bring that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you should see my wedding pics. I get so mad. Really? Yeah, my brother's six three, and yeah, my cousins are all like six four, six seven. Yeah, and your dad's tall. Yeah, my and dad's it's not tall. like you're short. You're six foot tall. Yeah, I'm six foot. Yeah, but you're the small I'll one. I'll throw them all around those. <laughs> put them on their ass. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. My mom's side is tall. They're all like six foot or whatever. My dad's side, eh, you know, it's a little mixed or whatever. Yeah. yeah, you know, my brother. You guys have seen my brother. He's a moose. Yeah, oh, yeah. He He's got a the, hoss. He got all the genes. You know, it's a little annoying. <laughs> I, it's funny because I always make fun of him. I'm like, dude, if you just trained 
Like, just lift weights. Yeah. You know, let's like, see. Just what, care let me bit. show you the way. Yeah, dude, because he'll pop in every once in a while. You know what he does for working out? He does long distance bike riding. That's his exercise, right? So it's the opposite of building muscle and getting strong. Yeah. But he'll walk into the studio. And still be strong as hell. Yeah, he'll put three plates on the on the you bar know, and bench it. That's a really good point though to actually bring up to our audience because I know that when we talk about the when we talk about how it can be so counterproductive to be like an endurance athlete when it comes to building muscle, there is always exceptions to every rule we talk about. You know, there is that that kid who can cycle four hours a day keep all his lean body mass on him and then go lift weights and still be strong and not lose muscle from that. So It's all relative though because okay, he does long distance cycling. Right, he now can put, put up 300. Right, Imagine put, if put him on for- just weightlifting and get rid of cycling and he would be a monster. Oh my god. Yeah, but yeah. I, what I, I'm saying though is that there I know when we talk about things like that there's somebody who loves running, there loves riding bikes and you know has the ability still to have lots of muscle like so yeah, there there's absolutely uh, exceptions to the rule. I think the idea is ex- to uh, talk to the people that are struggling with trying to put muscle on while they're still doing things like that, when that could be a major reason that's keeping them from that. But just making that point that you know we always talk about these scenarios that you know everything we talk about there is always an exception to the rule. Genetics mm-hmm. plays such a huge role in everything that we talk about. That's right, and yep. you have to look at that individual person. So it's like somebody uh, I got a message a while ago. It said. Hey, I, I know a guy that, you know, he he trains, uh, he weighs 160 pounds, and he's way stronger than I am, and I outweigh him by 40 pounds, and, you know, I work out a particular way, and he works out in a way that doesn't seem to be. And I say, look, genetically speaking, the person has got genes that just make him super strong. However, he's not as strong as he could be. Mm-hmm. Those The same things apply. There are the same things apply. If you want to get lean, there are principles that you apply. If you want to build muscle... There are principles that apply. Now, your potential is determined a lot of times by your genetics. So mm-hmm. if you have super skinny potential then you, and you do everything, you're going to build a certain amount of muscle. If somebody else who has big muscle genetics applies the same things that you do, they're going to go much further yeah. than you are. So, but you can't control that. So who cares? It's that right? whole epigenetic thing where it's like it's it's there. The blueprint is there, but it's a matter of like if you expose yourself to the right factors and things to unlock that potential. Yeah, I, I read a study a while ago that showed that fathers who lifted weights had offspring that had. Uh, it seems like their genes switched on for a better response to exercise. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, because if you think about it, and this oh, makes- man, I wonder if that works to my son's benefit, you know? Yeah, but well, yeah. here's the thing. Waiting, waiting for a good 20 years of lifting before having him. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. Yeah. My natural genes are to be real skinny, so I might offset it a little bit. I don't know how much, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> but I mean, it makes sense because, you know, when the baby is in the, when the baby's being, you know, is made and then in the womb- it's it, their genes probably preparing for what life may look like, mm-hmm. and so you, you know doesn't your sperm doesn't know that you're lifting weights. It thinks in order to survive, we need to you know we have to lift heavy things. So why not turn on these these genes over here to to make that happen? Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health the performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. First question is from Katie Lynn, MC. Which supersets are more effective, same muscle group or opposing muscle groups? Yeah, so 
questions like this are impossible to answer because they both have mm-hmm. their Va- own value. value. And what do you mean by more effective for for what? So so I'll I'll kind of explain what this what they both are, right? So same muscle group superset would be and a superset is two exercises back to back, okay? More than that and they have def- they have different names for it. So superset, two exercises. So an example of that would be for chest, I would go bench press and then I go to flies or reverse. So I'm doing two exercises for the same muscle. They're different exercises. I do one for eight reps. I do the other one for eight reps. That's a superset. Opposing muscles are literally, if you look at your body, look at a muscle and then look at a muscle that does the opposite action. So like biceps and triceps would be opposing. Chest and back would be opposing. Quads and hamstrings would be opposing. So that would be a superset. That would be like curls and then press downs, right? Two exercises back. Well, this is something that you and I used to go back and forth on all the time. And I think it's just because we have different certifications and and have read different books. There's, there are different names. One is a superset. One's a compound set. Mm. A compound set. I've heard that. I've heard that. A compound set is opposing muscles. So if you go chest to back, that's a compound set. If you go buys to tries, it's a compound set. Front to back. If you do superset, (laughs) it's two sets back to back of the same muscle group. And they both have their value. Mm-hmm. They and they, I think they're both incredible tools uh, to train with. Uh, and the one that's probably best for you is the one that you don't do. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I like about same muscle supersets is the the, the pump. pump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really it's re- if you're looking for the pump, if you're in a phase of your training where you're you're focusing on that, you're, you know what, what do they call it? Sarcoplasmic hypertrophy. Oh. Um, so it feels like your muscles are going to explode. Yeah, out of your but arms. The, the pump in a compound set's insane too. Chest to back. Well, oh my god, one of my favorite things to do, or it buys the tries. That's, I do that every time I work. Yeah, arms, I yeah. mean that's uh, so and co- that's more of a like a full body feeling. Kind yeah, of thing. I mean, and also it does this. Remember, okay, chest to back. Let's think about that for a second. Is do I need to have my back be stable when I'm doing like a bench press? Right. Should my chest uh, allow me to do a good retraction when I'm doing a back exercise? Supersetting the two of those is, in my opinion, a great way to kind of balance things out. Mm. Now, that's just my own personal opinion. Um, but what Adam said, I think, has the most value. You know, it does how your workout feel. Is there value to how it feels? I think so. Even if I don't get a lot of physical benefits from it, just feeling my biceps and triceps get a pump at the same time, that's great. Well, I love to do, you, you just alluded to it, I love to do compound sets with somebody who I'm trying to to, to work on something mechanically too, right? So let's say uh, you have the option to do a superset for your chest, meaning I'm going to do, like you said, a bench press and a chest fly. But imagine that 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 client I know already struggles with kind of rounded shoulders. And when they do any chest exercise, they tend to roll forward and a lot of the shoulders and the triceps yeah. actually work together. So me going, a, 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 you know, one chest exercise to another chest exercise just fatigues that and sometimes can make that situation even worse. Me taking them over to a back exercise first and doing like a seated row and then going over to a mm-hmm. bench press, love to do that because then I prime, basically what I'm doing is kind of priming their back, right? To be able to hold themselves in the retracted position so that when I go over to do a bench press, they can really engage the chest better. So mm-hmm. th- there is some there is some extra benefits and some pros and cons to each of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we're talking about building muscle and just building muscle uh, from that standpoint, uh, the, the value is in whichever one you don't do do the other one but there there as a trainer there are ways that uh i use one more than the other for certain situations like that like i'm trying to get somebody and i might even do a a back 
to a, a tricep exercise. Like sometimes when I'm like doing like a, a cable push down, people tend to, you know, roll the body forward and they push down with their shoulders. And I, if I get the back pumped, I can get them to understand to hold the back in that, that pump type position while they also do a push down. So there's, there's ways for me to, to pair exercises to also gain benefit of, of improving the client's mechanics because I've got a, yeah. an antagonist muscle to wake up mm-hmm. and, and get them to, yeah. to be able to hold it in that good position. So there are some benefits to that, but when it comes to programming it for benefits of building muscle or burning body fat, the most value is going to be found in if you've done one and you haven't done the other, do the other one. You yeah. Know? Now here's one of my, some of my favorites: dips to pull ups. Love that that super compound superset. Here's another one: bench press to barbell rows. That's another phenomenal. I like to match them with what looks to be like an opposite exercise, not just different opposite muscles, but opposite movement. Right? Dips and pull ups look very opposite. Try it out. The the pump you get is incredible. Push ups. Excuse me. Bench press to rows. Uh, and then, of course, cu- you know, curls to press downs or a, like a skull crusher for the arms. That's a good one. Now, when I do same muscle group uh, supersets, I always, for me personally, I always combine an isolation movement with a compound movement. That's the way I love to do it. So mm. if I do, you know, pull-ups, it'll be pull-ups to a dumbbell pullover or a straight arm pull-down. If I'm doing like a bench press, bench press to flies. Yeah. That combination, the pump you get is just insane. Next question is from DKJZS666. What are your opinions on daily push-ups and pull-ups? Love it. Yeah, I, yeah. I absolutely love it. These are like trigger sessions. It is. Uh, you know, it's. I, I had a, a trainer that worked for me once who, you know, he, he really good, really good guy, hard worker, and he applied for a job with us after getting out of uh, prison, and he was jacked. I mean, he actually got a job right after. He got out of prison. Now, I liked the guy a lot. I loved his energy, his attitude, gave him a chance. It was a great decision. He ended up becoming a, a real solid uh, you know, trainer. But I remember him looking really muscular. And so I had made the comment like, oh, you know, the, you guys lift a lot of weights in there, right? After he told me that he, he had been in there. And he goes, actually, they took the weights out. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in California, a lot of the prisons had eliminated weights. They took them out uh, because they said the inmates were getting too big and muscular. Um, so I said, well, you know, what do you do? What did you do? And he goes, I would do push-ups and dips off my bed and pull-ups off the bed, and I would do that as my workout. I'm like, oh, you know, w- would you do like one day of push-ups and then another day of just – no, I do them all, all the time. Yeah. I would do some in the morning. I'd do some in the afternoon. Some, and, and it didn't make any sense to me at the time because at the time, my idea of working out was you go so hard that you need at least right. – Few days you need to of factor in the rest. Yeah, like yeah. I'm like, how did you recover? How did that work? Mm. He goes, well, you don't beat the crap out of yourself. You just get some reps. And you well, that's it. the entire key to that whole thing is like you got to find the right dose so it's not like too much. You're not you're not overdoing it uh, to where it's going to impede on your lifts. You know, the following day if you have a workout scheduled. But yeah, I'm I'm a real big fan of doing the daily push up, daily squat, you know, daily crunch uh, type thing to keep stimulating that uh, that signal that you know, hey, right here we need to keep building, developing, uh, you know, this muscle further. The key to that though is is understanding how to manipulate your intensity. Totally. Right? So That's it. if you're going to do push ups and pull ups every single day, you don't want to be trained. Definitely don't want to be training it to failure. No. You definitely don't want to be doing a ton of volume. It's you know you get up there, you do one or two sets, you're done. You know what I'm saying? Or you break that up multiple times throughout the day. You get up there, you do you know five to ten pull ups one time, five to ten pull ups another time. Get down, do your ten to twenty push ups, whatever, one or two times. Break, come back later in the day, do it again. That type of stuff, fine. 
But if you do, you know, five to seven sets of, you know, pull-ups and you're going to failure, trying to do that every single day, you're going to find yourself trying to recover all the no, time. No, think about it as practice, right? So when I was a, when I was younger, I had a friend of mine who decided he was going to learn how to uh, skate to, to use a skateboard, and one of the hardest tricks on a skateboard is a kickflip. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think you know when you learn how to kickflip, that's like a huge deal, right? That's like one of the biggest. Like you, like a a big a move that you can finally do. Yeah. So what he did was, is he practiced kickflips every single day. Now when he got so tired that he could no longer do the technique, he stopped. He stopped. So he didn't tra- he didn't practice kickflips to failure. He practiced them until he's like, oh, now I'm too tired to even do this the right way. So now I'm going to stop because I'm not helping myself. That's the way you should view daily exercise. You're not going out and doing pushups to hammer your chest. You're practicing push-ups. You're not doing pull-ups to hammer your back. Right. You're practicing pull-ups. I saw actually a cool thing uh, that they have out now for kids to learn how to skateboard and do like ollies. They have this plastic piece that goes over your wheels, so it actually gives you uh, two. Uh, basically, it almost turns it into kind of a square situation, but you can kind of roll left to right just barely. But it gives you a more stable surface oh, when cool. you land. So pretty cool. I mean, it's just stuff like that in the Strider bike and things that we've evolved and 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 have like you know that that's such a more effective way to dude, learn, dude. How many? I mean. How how many times you guys get questions? How do I get better at pull-ups? That's what I tell people. How many pull-ups can you do? Oh, I can only do three. Okay, uh, do Keep one practicing. pull-up. Yeah, you know, uh, like three times a day, yeah. every day. Just do one. Don't do three. Just do one. Practice. Walk it. away. Come back. Hit it again later. And watch what happens. Next question is from Lifted Locks. Recently, I did Adam's mobility webinar. It was great. However, I experienced a lot of soreness the following two days, specifically in my hips. Is that normal or did I do too much? Very normal. Very, very normal. And that's a, I mean, that's a sign too that you yeah. you activated and worked a bunch of yeah. muscles that were very dormant. It was like a foreign animal. Yeah. And just think about that. You woke up uh, a bunch of muscles, got them sore without even having to do real, any sort of major resistance. All intrinsic. Yeah. yeah just you, just you doing iso- isometric holds got you really sore, which just, that is a sign that it was needed. Now you keep practicing that and that'll eventually go away. You won't get sore, but this just so you know, uh, that how normal this is, this happens to me when I get inconsistent with my mobility. Mm-hmm. If I fall, that's why it's a lifestyle. It's something that I have to, the 90, 90, the combat stretch, the moves, the zone one, all these moves that I talk about that I love, I practice them all the time. And when I don't, because those times happen when I fall off the wagon for a week or two and just whatever, has haven't been doing my mobility drills, I pay for it. 100% I pay for it. And that's how I know is I'll get down, I do a 90-90, and then I get sore as shit from just doing the 90-90. Yeah. But when I'm doing it consistently, I don't get sore at all. In fact, I start to see progress you know, with more and more and more range of motion. So yeah, absolutely very, very normal. Um, it And it's some, it's just it should be a, a glaring sign that you need that. Well, and that's the amazing part too with isometric exercises are you can really control uh, just ramping up that intensity yourself. And you could actually work your muscles by not doing a whole lot other than really, uh, you, you know, squeezing harder. It's crazy. Now, some people might be confused because they've heard us say so many times that soreness is a sign that you did too much. Now this is different. You're not using resistance. There's not a lot of muscle damage. You're sore from connecting, which is very, very different. Like if I got sore from mobility versus sore from a heavy set of squats, the recovery is very, uh, very, very different. 
That being said, the soreness from mobility goes away pretty quickly. If you practice it, you know, once you learn how to connect, it it's goes away. It actually goes away in a matter of weeks. Just oh, has to become familiar. You'll you'll feel it lighten up completely if you actually just get back down and do it again. Yeah. So if you feel sore from that, that's where this is a little bit different than training with resistance is get down and do that stuff again within about five minutes of going through those drills. It should really relieve a lot of the soreness and tightness that you probably feel from doing it. But yeah, absolutely normal. Uh, stick with it. Also, it means you did a good job. You know, I, a lot of times when if someone if I take someone through a mobility class and yeah. they don't feel sore afterwards, the way yeah. I think they, they weren't did, putting the effort in. Yeah, probably. I don't think they were doing a very good job of it, unless they were somebody who was already hypermobile. That's different, right? But if I have a, a client who has never been introduced to like a ninety ninety maneuver and I take them through those moves and they tell me the next day that they weren't sore at all, then what I know is they were just kind of uh, laissez-faire moving through those, yeah. right? Just they weren't actually trying to intentfully drive into it, find a new range of motion, connect to the movement. Uh, you obviously did. You did a good job. Next question is from Kristen Corso. Any recommendations for runners in terms of adding strength training? Yeah, so if you're if – you're, I worked with a lot of endurance athletes towards the back half of my career. It was just – I had a wellness facility in Los Gatos, and, and I ended up training one person who was a runner who then ended up referring me other runners and, and cyclists and, and triathletes. And if your goal is maximum performance in running, if your goal is to be a really good runner, which is, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, human body evolved, uh, among other things, to, to run really well. So if you have good technique, good skill, you run well, it feels good for you, nothing wrong with doing it. How can you use strength training to benefit that? Don't make strength training the priority. Um, your priority is the running. Honest to God, no joke, for the most part, for most people that I trained who are endurance athletes and that was their favorite thing to do, one day a week. Yeah. One day a week of resistance training was perfect. More than that, and I actually started to take away from their endurance uh, performance. If I started to train them twice a week with resistance training, they had to back off on their running or they have to back off on their cycling or whatever. So one day a week, resistance training, focus on compound lifts. You're not doing isolation movements. Do some mobility. Here's something that will benefit the hell out of you is learn how to prime your body properly. Mm -hmm. Prime your body based off of how your body moves. So learn how to do a self-assessment. Um, we, we're doing another uh, webinar, MAPS Prime webinar. It's free. That's happening, I believe, on the 30th, if I'm not mistaken, Doug. Is it the 30th? Correct. Yep. So you could go to mapsprimewebinar.com, sign up. And then you'll learn how to do a self-assessment. Once you figure out your own priming movement, which is about 10 to 15 minutes, for runners, I'd say 10 to 15 minutes, prime your, you, I'm sure you warm up before you do a run anyway. Throw away your old warm-up, prime instead, then go run and watch your performance go through the roof. It's incredible how much more stable, how much more efficient you run. And the more efficient that you run, the more stamina that you have. You didn't actually increase your stamina. You just expended less energy because now you're moving better and you get better stamina. So that's what I would focus on with my clients. Well, this is very similar to the recommendation that I just talked about that I gave my brother-in-law, right? He's a uh, he's not a runner, he's a hardcore downhill mountain bike rider, which is, you know, he, he goes for rides for 3-4 hours yeah. at a time. He does this multiple times during the week on both days on the weekend. This is his priority. He he wants to be able to ride, drink beer and not get fat. Like that's his goal. Like that's really what his goal is. And I told him I want him to lift weights one day a week. That's it. One day a week, full body routine, just like you said, mostly compound lifts. Uh, if he feels ambitious and wants to get in a second day, I actually recommend a more mobility-focused day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So a one good hard lifting session 
with one good day of like really heavily focused mobility where you spend at least a half hour or more doing that. Uh, and then priming before you go on your bike ride or go for your run, uh, man, great, great position for yeah, somebody I, that cares more about yeah. running than they care about building a physique. It, and I'm going to speak generally because, of course, it depends on the individual. But generally speaking, this is what the workouts would look like. Three to four compound lifts. That's it. They would come see me, and we would do like, okay, we're going to do a squat, a barbell row, and an overhead press. Or we're very, do ma- very yeah. maps anabolic. Yeah, yeah, very, very. But I, I wouldn't even do lots of isolation movements. I'm not sitting there trying to build tons of muscle. What I'm trying to do is build you really good general solid strength, right. foundational strength, That's like it. from large signals. And those are three of the best exercises to do that with. So yeah, I totally agree. It's just that one day, real specific, you know, to those lifts, and then the rest of it. I really like the emphasis on joint stability, joint strength, and function because then you're talking more about longevity while you're performing and, and you're increasing that ability. Yeah, and I think what one of the mistakes that endurance athletes will make is they try to mimic their sport with the weights. So somebody who's a runner will be like, okay, I run. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do 100 reps of walking lunges. Oh, yeah. Or they do weighted vest runs on the treadmill yes. or grab dumbbells and run on a treadmill right. or do yeah. stuff like that. No, you're not going to – so you don't, you're not going to get a ton of benefit at that uh, yeah. from that. A lot you, more posterior work. Use the weights well. for what they're good for, which is strength. So, you know, don't try to use them for endurance. You're already doing your endurance training. Use them to build your strength. So it's like, you know, my endurance athletes used to respond really well to like five to eight reps. Now, I would also be careful with the intensity. You start lifting to failure, you're going to mess up your your runs and your, and you know, what other sport you're doing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I would keep them, I would actually stop about three reps short of failure for their lifts. Focus on those compound lifts. Here's a good general primer for uh, for running, by the way. Windmill, just a standing windmill mm-hmm. uh, where you get in, create tension throughout the whole movement, and actually go through with reps. Well, it's, Justin it's, breaks it's this down in Prime Webinar. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so make sure you watch that. If you want to learn how to do it really yeah, well, go sign up. Go to yeah, Maps Prime Webinar. He actually teaches how to do that really, really well. And with that, uh, go check out again uh, the Maps Prime Webinar. Also, a lot of people don't know this, but we record all of our podcasts on video, um, and we put them up. On YouTube, so you can actually watch us talk. You can see what we're doing. You can see what we look like right now. I look—we're not totally hideous. Yeah, I look terrible right now because I haven't got a haircut and I haven't trimmed my beard in a long time. Adam has a very creepy mustache, <laughs> and Justin is the handsomest person uh, all the time. We also yeah, break up every single question, so we get a lot of people that uh, love the Q and As. They want and they want to share just one question that pertains to a friend or a family member. So on the actual YouTube under Mind Pump Podcast. Uh, we actually, Andrew takes each question that where Doug reads it. And then we answer that one question and breaks that up and says, you know, separate five to 10 minute videos. That way, if you just wanted to share a specific topic we talk about, it makes it a lot easier to share with that's, people. That's it. Mind pump podcast on YouTube. Come watch us. You'll love it. I promise. Thank you for listening to mind pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, 
Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.